Hello and welcome to the Ice Guy, brought to you by the National Hockey Now Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a batting perspective. With pro sports handicappers, Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith, and various guests from the world of hockey and sports betting. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by National Hockey Now. Friday, February 24th, Ian Cameron will have Alex B. Smith momentarily as his internet is booting up as we speak. Jimmy Murphy, who's with us on Fridays, will join us too a little bit later on in the show around the uh, 2.30 p.m. Eastern uh, time uh, frame. Uh, and we've got our every other Friday guest with me here uh, right now, Nate Rapensky, who is uh, playing through pain, I'm sure. Uh, he had surgery done recently. Uh, and uh, but feeling better, feeling good enough to return and be with us again here on the Ice Guys show. And he always does a great job every two Fridays when he's on with us. Nate, how are things with you? Yeah, they're good, man. Um, you know, hanging out uh, uh, in in New York, sort of lamenting the you know the end of the NFL season as we all are. But this is uh, it's hockey time, right? And, and ultimately, um, college basketball time soon too. So it's it's um, you know fun to take a, a have a more focus on on those sports, hockey in particular, and. As you said, had a had an Achilles thing kind of pop up surgery wise, but uh, you know feeling good now. So excited to uh, to get in this uh, into this weekend slate of games. All right. So how is the betting board treating you across all sports lately, Nate, and specifically hockey? So hockey on its own and all sports in general. How is it going for you lately? Yeah, uh, it's been it's been pretty solid. I mean, all sports and in the NFL season strong. Um, kind of rode the Eagles to the Super Bowl and decided to fade them. So uh, sorry if there's any Eagles fans out there, but but if I had the Chiefs, so that comeback was welcomed. And and um, hockey's been pretty good as well. I've been um, you know uh, I think I have a couple of games I like you know tonight a lot. Things like uh, Minnesota, who's I think gone under in twelve or thirteen games. I've been on that. They've been playing stellar team defense, and I think those goal totals started to to inflate. Given Mark Andre Fleury's bad playing things, so so been been riding it out hockey wise, feeling pretty good um, of where we're at in the market. And I think always, whether it's NBA, NHL, there's a time when you can get edges pre All Star break and sort of post All Star break as teams kind of make that push or fall off. And so um, trying to capitalize on that has has been the focus. Yeah, there's no doubt, uh, and certainly after the All Star break, you know, there's always going to be teams that come out of the All Star break re revitalize, they flip the switch and. They start playing better hockey, and then there's going to be teams that maybe the break came at a bad time. You know, they were playing well, and they kind of go the opposite way coming out of the break. Certainly, Nashville stands out, although they did win last night. They're a team that's scuffled out of the break. Uh, you know, you look at Washington, and we'll start actually yesterday's recap before we get into Friday's card with Washington because obviously we talked on yesterday's show. Alex Ovechkin's back, heartbeat of the team, the captain, the leader. Uh, would it reinvigorate uh, this struggling Washington Capitals team and it turns out it didn't but I don't think it was because they uh just didn't you know want to win and play better with Ovi back and I think that part of it was there for them but they had a bomb dropped on them this hockey team right before puck drop with that Boston trade involving Dmitry Orlov and uh, of course Garnett Hathaway both going to the Bruins uh, right before the game started. And the moment I saw that trade, well, first of all, you're taking one of your best, you know, defensive-minded defensemen out of your lineup with that trade. And second of all, my second thought was, I've got a bad feeling now uh, about this Washington game tonight against Anaheim, where it looked like it was just this great return of Ovi, and then you get this happening, and it's just a collective feel in the dressing room, in my opinion, 
that this team was going to be, this management doesn't believe in us. They don't think we can make the playoffs. And even if they did think that, they don't think we can go far. And I think it's a collective morale downer for the Capitals. And I'm not saying that's why they lost to the lowly Anaheim Ducks, but I think it played a part. It was just the collective shock that, whoa, aren't we supposed to be battling for the playoffs? Aren't we supposed to have you know guys like TJ Oshie and Alex Ovechkin and Nick Backstrom and Kuznetsov and John Carlson and a bunch of veterans on this team? Aren't we supposed to be still trying to win? And to see that happen right before that game started, I'm like, I don't have a good feeling anymore. About, and I had all, a ton of Capitals bets last night. Thank goodness I at least had the first period puck line. That ended up cashing, but the team total fell short. We only got a push with the over, and it was thanks to Anaheim of all teams that we got that game to at least six goals. Uh, it was just timing was awful, and it I think it impacted them a little bit, and it took totally away from the fact that Ovi was back in the lineup for the Capitals last night as his return still results in no difference in the end result for Washington as they lose yet again to the Anaheim Now you have to wonder if this is full-out fade city moving forward to this Washington Capitals team, even with Ovechkin back. It's like they're not going to lose every game moving forward, but they're not a team I'm going to be rushing to put my money on. Nate, we'll start with you. Just the thoughts on that trade, how it affects Washington. Certainly it makes Boston better. How are you going to match up with Boston's blue line right now? Like that is unbelievable what they've got now at the back end. McAvoy and Grizzlick and Carlo and Lindholm and Clifton. And now you put in uh, Dimitri Orlov. Poor Derek Forbert's probably going to get bumped out of the starting top sticks now because of this. And he hasn't played bad at all this year. He's played solid. Uh, yeah. It is a very deep blue line now for Boston. Nate, what were your thoughts on that Bruins Capitals trade? Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I think you called it a couple of key points. And shout out um, uh, Derek Forbes, my my neighbor growing up. His uh, his little brother is one of my best friends. So I'll drop another name on on the on the the podcast. Tell him we feel for him. I mean, he's not going to yeah. get as much playing time now. He's probably the seventh defenseman, unfortunately. Now that sucks, but yeah, it is. And he's had a, you know an awesome year and and an awesome time in Boston. But um, so so be interesting how that goes. I mean, yeah, I think it's a it's a great move for Boston um, to get a depth defenseman with with experience, physicality, all those things. I think you call it out for Washington. I mean, to me, it's it's sort of a changing of the guard in Washington, right? You know, Opie's obviously still playing at a high level. Some of those guys you mentioned, but they're a little bit in no man's land. And it's certainly not as extreme as, you know, the St. Louis Blues. But you start to look at some of these franchises, Washington, Nashville's another, right? I mean, and obviously Washington's won a cup and Nashville has not. But it's almost time to start to hit the reset button or think, like, do we rebuild? You know, what direction do we take next year? Because right now where they sit in the Metropolitan, I don't blame management for some of these moves, right? It's like, realistically, they're probably not a winner this year and, and their roster is aging um, in, in some ways. So yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Great move for Boston, you know, excited to see how that transpires and, and good to see them loading up. We'll see if they make any more. And then, you know, ultimately um, uh, Washington, you know, maybe an odd team out this year and, and, and we'll see how it progresses. And let me bring Pittsburgh into the mix with that ugly loss last night at home against the Edmonton Oilers. Fire Hextall being chanted in the building uh, near the end of that game. I mean, it was an, it was a very angry crowd last night in the Berg, and rightfully so. And now they're caught in the middle right now. What do they do? Do they sell now? Like, they really have to ask themselves yeah. that now after last night. But Crosby, Latang, and Malkin don't want them to sell. You know, it's a, and Sullivan doesn't want them to sell. Now there's reports coming out from our guy Rob Rossi, uh, dropped a bomb today on The Athletic, uh, and he does a great job covering the Penguins, that Sullivan is pushing – Hextall and the management group to trade for Jacob Chikrin, and Hextall wants no part of the trade. 
He wants no part of it. He says, we're trying to build this thing long term. So you've got a real clash of different philosophies right now with this Pittsburgh Penguins team. you got Sullivan and the old guard, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang banding together to say, let's let's go for one last run, one last hurrah. And then you got Hextall saying, well, hold on now. I'm not trading for Jacob Chikrin. We've got nothing in the cupboard. We already are completely barren in terms of picks and prospects, and I'm going to wipe that out even further to try to improve this team to get into the first round and get our ass handed to us by Boston or Carolina. I mean, that's the thing. And it's a pushback going on here, and I think it's creating an unsettling dynamic around this team completely. And as a result, I think it's impacting their focus, performance, and everything else you can think of uh, on the ice. And the one thing I noticed, too, about both teams last night, Caps and Penguins, total lack of team foot speed compared to other teams. Huge problem in today's NHL. When you can't win puck battles, you can't win foot race situations, you can't outskate the other team for loose pucks, you're going to lose a lot of hockey games. And I'm seeing a lot of this with both Washington and with Pittsburgh. And it was clear as day. Team speed, front to back, four, one line one through four, one through six D is lacking with both teams right now. And I think that's playing a role in some of their struggles. Alex, uh, get in on this. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, Ron Hextall, you know, was a fiery competitive goalie. And he's clearly taken that same kind of fire in this and uh, competitiveness within the GM role, but it ain't working. And, uh, and and the proof is just in literally what you just said. If you're trying to build for the future, then why on earth did you sign 35-year-old Chris Letang before his second stroke, mind you? Let's just, just destroy that in for shits and giggles. But you signed him to an eight-year deal, a seven-year deal. He's going to expire with 2028. But yeah. you're talking about building for the future? Like, you, you, Fucking you know, Padres did this in baseball with you, yeah. Darvish. I mean, they got that yeah. guy now into like 43 years old. How do you think he's going to be pitching at that time? It's crazy. Some thing. of these so, contracts. So, so a Chikrin deal would help you right now and the future. Like that, it doesn't mean like, that that sentence right there that you just said that they're basically saying like, oh, we're not going to make a deal for Jacob Chikrin because we're looking toward the future. That should get him fired. That right there. The fact yeah. that you can't see that a Jacob Chicken contradiction of what you, he did. Yeah. Right. It yeah. will help you right now and long term because you're going to have 39, 40, 41 year old Chris Latang on the blue line for three more years. And you know he's not going to do the same shit he's doing right now. He's having an incredible year right now. And props to him for all that he's been able to, to battle through and, and the career that he's had. But you can't rely on your top three being around for 20 years. And expect to win another Stanley Cup in the next three or four years. You have a shot right now, and probably won't have much of a shot elsewhere. Because if you're looking, if you're looking long term, let's just just quick snap that long term at the Eastern Conference. Boston, a team that we all thought, myself included, was going to fall off the face of the earth right now. They're at the top of the league, and even with their older pieces, their youth is getting stronger, and they're adding pieces like Garnet Hathaway. Tampa Bay seems like you can't get rid of this team no matter what. The injury bug be damned. Three years winning the Eastern Conference. They're still hanging around. Toronto, they can't do shit once it becomes the postseason, but they're still a force in the regular season. Florida, having a bad year. They still got a ton of talent and a lot of guys locked up. There's a ton of, of teams in the East that are still going to get better moving forward. Pittsburgh isn't going to get better moving forward. Like you said, they have nothing in Scranton Wilkes Bear. They have been drafting like shit for three years. How do you expect to win now and still compete later, holding on to Crosby and Latang and, and Malkin and then still not adding other pieces when you've had the secondary guys that you had to bring up throughout the years from the AHL. They've 
chipped in and then you let them go. Or they chipped in and they've just stuck around like Brian Russ and have done pretty much nothing. As you always say, Ian, can't find them with a telescope most nights. So, yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh's just completely confused right now. And I think it is Ron Hexall's fault. He probably should be looking for a new job at the end of the year. I, I agree. I think the only thing you can say about them is um, he might just, you know, the, the, the market for Chikrin is, is immense right now, right? People are going to overpay for him, particularly teams that feel like they can win this year. I agree with you. He helps for the future, but I think Hextall, you know, deserves criticism, but as they look into next year, I mean, he might just be looking to blow things up and feels like it's too big of a rush to do it in season right now. Right. Like you look at their decor, they get Chikrin fine. Again, you mentioned Latang, but like, their decor is way too thin for a playoff run. I mean, they're not a player away. And again, Chikrin does bolster them. But for me, I'm looking at this if you're Hextall and you, you just kind of don't have the roster. And so do you wonder if a Malkin gets traded in the offseason? I don't know. I, I, maybe they're looking for that direction as opposed to even win now, Alex. But I agree with you. You know, Hextall deserves criticism for sure. Yeah, it is because I think he's, he, you know what? It, it, he's caught in the middle here. He He's, he, I, I, he's the GM. He can't be. He can't be told what to do by Mike Sullivan. He's supposed to be the GM. Mike Sullivan works for Ron Hextall. It's not the other fucking way around. So if Sullivan's talking about we've got to sign these guys long-term, these relics, including Chris Letang and Crosby, Malkin, and keep things together for five years, because that's probably what they want. I know what the dynamic is like. Sullivan's been with this group as a core now for years. They've developed lifelong friendships that will last forever. They've won a Stanley Cup together, this group. I know what that's like. You want to keep the group together? You still think they can play? They think they can still play at a high level, the three of them, the big three, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. But at the end of the day, you know what? If they're pushing back on Hextall saying, you know, we got to keep this thing together for at least another few more years. we got another couple runs in us. But if Hextall disagrees, He's got to disagree and go right from the beginning and last off season and say, you know what, we're starting the rebuild right now. And exactly. you don't make that kind of contract extension. And now you don't come back and say to them, when you signed Latang for that big deal, like Alex mentioned, and signed all these other long-term deals in the off season and in the last few years, now you don't come back when they're asking for help at the deadline to make us a better team and maybe getting Chikrin. Now he's pushing back and he's saying, whoa, hold on now. I don't want to make this deal now because we're already thin with our prospects and our picks and we want to keep those in house now and not deal for chicken. Well, hold on now. Why the hell did you make those con? Why did you give crystal Tang that contract then uh, in the off season? If you feel that way, if you feel that rebuild and looking long-term, you know, is the way you want to go about it. So you, you can't be contradictory in that yeah. role, especially in the point of where Pittsburgh's at with their franchise right now. You either have to just say immediately, we're rebuilding this thing right now, starting today. But you can't be him and hawing and changing things and giving out a, that kind of contract to Chris Letang well into his 40s and then come back here yet the, the recently where Sullivan, Crosby, Malkin, they're saying, hey, we're struggling right now. We need to pick me up. We need an addition to this team. Let's get Jacob Chikrin. Could really, really help this blue line alleviate the stress. And now Hextall's coming back after signing Latang and saying, well, hold on. Now I care about my picks. Now yeah, I care about future. my prospects. Now I care about the long term and rebuilding this franchise. It's ridiculous. You should have committed last offseason. And now this team is in a horrendous state. Horrendous yeah. state disaster because they're caught in the middle. And nobody knows what the fuck to do. And nobody can agree on what to do. Yeah, you're so con concerned about the future, but yet you have 31-year-old Brian Dumlin, who's line mates, pair mates with uh, Latang, 
are going to be up at the end of the year, but you still have 35-year-old Jeff Petrie signed until 2025. But you're so worried about the future. Okay, Ron. This is kind of on Hextall, too. Like, Hextall makes those moves, and including signing Latang, and they're probably thinking, all right, we're clearly going to try to contend this year. And now Hextall, on the verge of the trade deadline with his team struggling, you know, pushes back and says, now I'm thinking about rebuilding. Now I'm thinking about the long term. Now I'm not going to tra- trade for Jake Chikrin because I want to protect the remaining picks and prospects we have. Can't say that now. Oh, it's and it's easy to say that, too, when your team sucks right now. I would have loved to have heard him hear him say something like that if they had won 10 in a row going into last night or if they were playing good hockey. I think it's now just, oh, we're, we're backing up now because the team has fallen flat and, and doesn't even look like a team that's capable of making the playoffs right now, let alone beating a Boston or Carolina in the first round, which is a, yep. a gargantuan task, to say the least. And anyone who's been paying attention to this Penguins team in the last three years should not be shocked that this is coming because – like I said, the, the minor system has been barren for a while. These guys were getting older. Yes, they're still playing at a high level, but you can't rely on Crosby and Latang Let- and, and Malkin to be the big three the way that they've been for years continuing forward. Even this year, you still need secondary pieces. The teams that won that back-to-back run, it was because of all of the secondary pieces that chipped in. You know, you just think yeah. these guys are just going to automatically turn it on and, and run through a, a postseason, especially when you can't keep a goaltender healthy in the last couple of years. I mean, it, it's it's absurd. I think I think Hextall at this point, though, like he, he made the wrong bets, right? I mean, he, he thought that they'd sign these guys that have a chance to bolster a postseason run, and, like, we can criticize him for that, but he's now taking a hard stand and he doesn't want to dig the hole any deeper, right? He's like, hey, listen, I've lost, you know, $5,000 at the blackjack table tonight. Do I want to lose $10,000 and, and trade everything for Chikrin or should I just go home? And I think he's going home. Like, that's that's my analogy. And it's probably unpopular because he should have made the call earlier and he made the wrong bets. But I just think right now, if you pay for Chikrin with the market out there for him, you're going to get robbed. And if it's you're not in a spot to add that piece to go over the top for the playoffs, why do it now? I don't know. I also don't think Malkin's in a Penguin sweater next year. I, I think they're going to make some big changes. They're gonna have I to, yeah, they, yeah, because yeah. because they have to they have to do something to try to rebuild. But now you run the risk of you sign them long term, and now if you make that deal and move Malkin, now do you you piss Crosby and Latang off, you know, or, or do you rub Sullivan the wrong way? Does Sullivan get frustrated and say screw it, and then he hops up and leaves? You know, yeah. you, you're you're playing a dangerous game. Like I said, these were things that didn't have to happen because even with you wanting to keep the core pieces together, you still should have had a contingency plan to be like, hey, if this season doesn't work out, we can get out of this with with you know uh, a little bit less damage, you know, less in the blow of it. And they didn't do that. And the last thing I'd say is I think you've seen teams artfully do this uh, uh, preemptively better than Hextall, right? He probably didn't want to take any risks, but you've seen teams like Tampa, like Chicago back in their heyday, right? They've gotten rid of guys at their peak or before they fell off to, to sort of reload and and keep that team continuity and that upward trajectory going. I think if you're Hextall, it's like you just waited too long. You, you waited too long. You maybe should have gotten rid of a Malkin a year ago, a year and a half ago. You get a higher return, yeah. you reload, and now you're sitting on just, just sort of dead pieces. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect with what Hextall apparently there's they they were on the same page last off season with what Hextall was doing, and obviously Sullivan, Crosby, and the and the main veteran core are on board too. Let's let's go for it. Let's try to win next year and be a contender but it's just amazing that now things are falling apart teams playing poorly on the ice 
And now all of a sudden, now Hextall cares about the draft picks and the prospects and looking at rebuilding and not going to trade for Jacob Chikrin. It's just convenient timing now to change trajectory, which you shouldn't do because you committed to winning. And now all of a sudden, now you want to blow it up. And now you're in an even worse state right now because now there's this big collision of thought processes going on with the players and Sullivan versus Hextall. And it's a bad dynamic. It's just bad. It's all around. It's a very, very bad situation. It's terrible right now for Pittsburgh. I feel bad. This franchise is damned now, I think, for the next five to ten years. I, you know, I, I don't feel too bad about it, to be honest. And, and <laughs> not saying that – and I'm not saying that because they've won and they've been, you know, a pillar of the East for years to come. But, I mean, because, like, how how do you work in, in this organization and not see this coming? Like, we, yeah. we literally talked about this in early October. We talked about this last year about how at some point this team's going to have – not even about the, the – let's forget the big three for a, side, for a second. We were talking about how there's no depth to where if they have injuries, which they often do, they can't even, uh, you know, stay afloat if a bunch of guys go down. And this is something we've seen throughout the Penguins' dynamic run. We've always talked about how if Crosby gets hurt and misses 10 games, Malkin gets hurt and misses eight games, Latang misses, gets hurt and misses, you know, a, a month, two months. It's not that big of a deal because these guys miss games every single regular season. It's just as long as they're healthy and come back in April and May, then they can make a run and do something. But they had pieces to plug in that could keep them afloat during the regular season. They don't even have that now. And so when the regular lineup just sucks, they, they just suck. They're just bad. And they go on these losing streaks like we've seen lately. So it's it's just really weird. They're in such a weird position where they can't even help themselves now. And it really doesn't seem like they're going to be able to help the organization in a shorter term. It's going to have to be a longer term rebuild. And yep. then when they do get rid of, of the big three, things are going to get even worse. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, gonna, it's looking pretty bad. But they set themselves up for this disaster two years ago, really. Yeah, it's Vancouver – East, essentially. They, they've delayed the rebuild too long in both cities. And, you know, they try to contend, try to contend, try to contend for too long. And they should have started the tear it down process two years ago in Vancouver. They didn't. And they should have started it probably after last season at the very least. If not, you could argue the year before that in Pittsburgh and they didn't. And now they, they're they really up against it because, again, they have no draft capital. I mean, their, their, their prospect and pick cupboard is bare right now. Uh, so no wonder now there's pushback from Hextall and trying to trade it, but he's going totally against what he did, but tough times there for sure. All right, quickly last night, and then we'll finally get to uh, Friday's games. we got six games tonight, but just quickly last night, great win for the Buffalo Sabres, 6-5 over Tampa. They had the lead. They coughed it up, but they won in overtime. An incredible performance. Another one from Tage Thompson. He's had a bunch of these this year. Another hat trick for him against a great Tampa Bay team and the best goalie in the league. To be able to do that was something sensational. Uh, no question about that. Uh, and, of course, Buffalo gets the 6-5 uh, to five win uh, last night uh, in overtime. So a great win uh, for the uh, Buffalo Sabres uh, last night. Now they play Florida tonight. We'll get to that uh, in just a second. Uh, we talked about Anaheim, Washington, Edmonton, Pittsburgh. I mean, that was just Edmonton is at one level. Pittsburgh's at another level. Uh, seven to two uh, last night. Oilers over the Penguins. We saw New Jersey come back to beat LA to my chagrin as I was on the Kings, but I did have the over, so that did cash four three Devils. Dawson Mercer props. We've talked about that repeatedly on this show. They keep on cashing a goal yeah. and point prop again on Dawson Mercer comes through uh, for New Jersey in that four three overtime comeback win against LA. Minnesota shuts out Columbus too. Now they give Flurry credit. Mark Andre Flurry needed a response. Philip Gustafson. Has taken the net from him lately, and he needed a good performance here, the front end of that back-to-back, -back, and he did a 30-save shutout 
to beat Columbus last night. 4-1 Detroit over the Rangers. Man, that was impressive. Brutal spot off a long road trip, including a stopover in Washington, and you come home and you still beat the Rangers 4-1. Man, was that impressive. Who's so extremely good uh, in that game as well? Uh, Detroit is rolling along right now. Like We need to start thinking Detroit can make the playoffs. Hell, they're in a playoff spot right now. Second wild card spot right now uh, in the uh, Eastern Conference. Uh, Vancouver comes back to beat St. Louis three to two uh, in overtime. Four three Vegas in overtime to beat Calgary. Calgary ran out of gas on the second night of back to back games. Nashville beat San Jose six two. Uh, disappointing effort from San Jose. The game did go over though, which was good for me. And how about being on the Bruins in regulation last night? My goodness, uh, you thought there were multiple times up. This game's done. Oh, especially when Seattle took the five four lead late in the third. You thought that ah, yep. that's over with. They'll probably lose the game, and if they, even if they tie it, it'll go to overtime. Well, bam, they strike right back five five. Nobody could hold a lead for more than a minute in that game last night. Bruins and Kraken, and then of course. Jake DeBrusque with the deflection goal with about a minute and change left, 6-5. And Bruins and regulation betters, which I was and Alex was, uh, we mm -hmm. get rescued uh, with a late-game win there for the uh, Boston Bruins in that game. And, yes, it's going viral. It's obviously that has been played a lot, I'm sure, uh, on uh, various uh, places. Uh, but we've obviously got to get the uh, sound here uh, of Mr. Barube from last night. Not a happy man with, with his blues. But uh, <clears throat> a lot of our best players not doing the job. Do you think that's the case? I don't know. You have to ask them, Jim. I guess they don't care about the team. I don't know. So Not you, sure why. You, you, you're inspired by it, and they should go out and play. Yeah, for sure. They should be very, very happy that we got this guy on our team and that he's put, laying it on the line. And they should be inspired by it, and they should go out and play with inspired. Our, our best players don't play with any passion, no emotion, and no no inspiration at all. They don't play inspired hockey. You cannot play in this league without emotion, grit, being inspired. Um, they're getting paid lots of money, and they're not showing, they're not doing the job. End of story. That's it. That's what it boils down to. And it just gets up and walks away right there. That was uh, Craig Rube there. Not happy last night after the – look, I get I get the frustration, right? This is a guy that's been on a team that's been good the last few years, that's won a Stanley Cup, and he sees things are falling apart. They're not going anywhere. I think he was blowing off steam uh, last night. It just came to a head, and he erupted, and he lashed out. But this could be either the team somehow, you know, responds to this, or it could even send them even further the other way in the wrong uh, direction. because and. It's a weird time to, you know, really rip the team publicly because they've just gone through a lot. They've seen Tarasenko traded away. They've seen their captain, Ryan O'Reilly, traded away. You know, they realize they're not going anywhere. They're a much worse team without those two guys. Uh, and you see the struggles on the ice. And I, I don't know, like normally when we hear a coach light into the team like that, we like to bet on them the next game. I'm not so sure that's an automatic for me. Uh, the next game against uh, Pittsburgh. It's actually a Saturday ABC game tomorrow afternoon. Uh, how about that? Penguins are real and Blues are real, and someone's got to win that game. How about loser gets re relegated to the uh, AHL? How about that for uh, <laughs> Blues tomorrow on ABC? Hope uh, Bob Wachusen and Brian Boucher have fun with that dumpster fire uh, of a game we have uh, tomorrow on ABC. But uh, nevertheless, um, th th that one to me, I get it. He's angry. But what are you going to do? I mean, you traded away some of your best players. He's talking about his best players. Yeah, your best players aren't with the Blues anymore. You know, that's that's kind of the issue. Your best players now, though, they're supposed to be Jordan Cairo. They're supposed to be Braden Shen. They're supposed to be Robert Thomas. 
And I think that's who he was talking about. Saad even, you could say as well. Those guys were invisible last night in the game against the Vancouver Canucks. Invisible. Couldn't find them with a telescope. So I understand why he was pissed. They did nothing in the game. The only players that played hard were the third, fourth liners that he met, that, like he said in the press conference, and Bennington had a pretty good game. He's the reason, actually, the Blues got a point uh, in that game uh, against Vancouver. So an upset Craig Berube. I think he's not just upset about his top guys, and I think he had a right to last night with the way they played, but he's upset about the whole fucking situation. You know, it's a team that's been winning, won a Stanley Cup, and now they're going down the sinkhole. And he's he's just lashing out. Uh, Alex, what did you think of uh, Mr. Barube last night getting a little angry? Well, first and foremost, if you're waiting for Brandon Saad to produce consistently, you might as well make your uh, last arrangements and plans now because that, that didn't happen anytime soon. Uh, but this Blues team is a mess. And it's, like you said, the injury bug has hit them hard a little bit. But there's been mostly inconsistencies. And like you said, it starts on the back end. It starts with, with Jordan Bennington. He gets hot and he gets cold. Thomas Grice was certainly not going to be uh, Ville Husso 2.0. In fact, he's barely Thomas Grice from three seasons ago. Uh, so that's been a, a really rough uh, bump for them to, to kind of overcome. And like you said, there's a St. Louis team that, you know, they've had that same core for a while, and they started to kind of fall apart at the same time the other teams in the division were getting better. Uh, you know, Winnipeg and Dallas, you know, of course, Colorado on the rise. Uh, you know, Minnesota's always kind of given them, uh, you know, tough battles, even though they've come out on the right side of them more often than not. But having that, you know, they've been battle tested for so long that they've kind of worn down a little bit. It's not in the same vein where we see like a L.A. or Pittsburgh after or even Chicago after their dynasty runs. But it's got that same kind of ending feel where it's like, you know, the steam and, and, and momentum they had when Barube took over. It's certainly not what it is right now. It's, it's, if anything, it's the opposite of it. So things are just kind of they're going through the motions. This is going to be a, a rough finish to the end of the season, but I don't think they're ready to just completely blow this thing apart, fire Barube and start from scratch. I think they still have time to, you know, in the long term to kind of uh, keep things afloat and still be a playoff contender maybe as early as next season. Not a hard rebuild, but a, 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 yeah, a, a soft a, rebuild. A, yeah, a soft rebuild is what they say, or a fast track rebuild is I think the term that they're uh, using uh, for it. Uh, but uh, I think that's probably more in the cards for the uh, St. Louis Blues than uh, anything else. Uh, Nate, what did you think of the uh, eruption of Craig Berube last night? Yeah, it's interesting timing, as you know. I mean, they're maybe they turn it on now. I mean, you look at what was it a couple when they won the cup, they were in the cellar, uh, you know, pretty deep into the season. They turned it on. Obviously, there's a little more time than is left now. Um, so, so maybe there's something there. I don't think they make the playoffs. I don't think he expects to. I think it might have been a message too. I mean, you look at their decor. I mean, a lot of veterans on this team, right? Bertuzzo, yeah. Justin Falk, Tori Krug, Nick Letty, Colton Pareko, Marco Scandella. These guys have been here. And, and, you know, maybe questioning the leadership there from that group. I mean, they, they probably expected to get a lot more from a Nick Letty. I don't think Justin Falk has been what they've expected since he's been there. So, yeah, it's tough. And then you trade away O'Reilly, who's, who's probably their leader, right? I mean, was a captain and, and obviously a, a heart and soul type of player. Tarasenko, who scores, I think they're thin up front. And Robert Thomas is, you know, coming into his own. Jordan Cairo is great, but I don't know if they can carry a team yet. So I think looking forward, I don't think the Blues make the playoffs. I think Barube, if, if, if anything, was setting the tone for the rest of the season. But as they go into next season, particularly trying to get this thing going in the right direction so they don't blow it up. If I was the Blues, I maybe see them dishing, though, a Tory Krug or a Nick Letty to somebody at the deadline who wants a power play defenseman. Yeah. You know, why not reload and get rid yeah, of some of those guys? Yeah. with where your season's at so um yeah it's, it's interesting but you know I, I don't think it's going to turn their season around i think it's too late at this point and, and they've obviously already uh earmarked themselves as sellers 
Yeah, Nate, that's a very good point you made. And in talking about this fast track rebuild, they have the pieces to offload right now in the next week that could certainly help them out as far as, uh, you know, making deals and, and rebuilding for the future. And, you know, like you said, it's the older blue line. This blue line in 2014 probably doesn't give up more than 25 shots a night, but it's right. 2023. And these are some older guys, and they're still talented, but you can't piece yeah. – six veterans together and just expect to have a, a, a great blue line. You need some speed and some youth there. They don't have it, but they can certainly help out some other teams and, and help their rebuild now uh, making some moves. Totally. Yeah. You know what about that blue line? And you're right. You know what's also the thing? You know, uh, he's playing, I think, still pretty decently, but I think they expected Colton Pareko to be that huge, big-time number one defenseman with Petra after Petrangelo went to Vegas, and it hasn't all – really happen we're finding out Pareko's a pretty good defenseman he's not that elite defenseman he's not and I think they, and they don't have anyone really of that elk right now and you're right Letty and Krug I think at this point Barbashev's on the on the trade block there are a lot of players that I think are going to be uh you know open for discussion and open for trading from uh, Doug Armstrong the GM of this uh, Blues team uh, there's no uh, question uh, about that and it's funny you mentioned that Alex about the blue line it would have been a good blue line in 2014 that's like the old that's like the Charles Barkley line that he used to describe the Lakers roster last year they would have yeah. been a hell of a team in 2010 yeah yeah right yeah yeah it's all right, right 2010 all-star team but you know it's 20 you know but 13 14 years later so yeah. <laughs> I, I can't believe I mean just just to to, to say it too I mean I, I don't remember the exact cap situation at the time but what the or what the relationship was between player and team and GM, but letting Petrangelo go is crazy to me. I, I remember when that happened, I was like, I, I can't, I can't believe it. And like, you look at Pareko, a huge shot, big player, but he's not close to, to that sort of pedigree uh, in my mind, in terms of a puck moving defenseman or anything else. So it's just one I of those moves. I thought he wanted he wanted he wanted to leave. He wanted to change the scenery too. It wasn't all capital. I think he did. I think it was a yeah. mutual parting. Like they yeah, he, he wanted to explore he wanted to explore long else. term, but yeah. But, fair enough. Fair enough. Just a head scratcher when and, you look back. But, and, uh, and who I think most people would rather be in Las Vegas than St. Louis. Yeah, just be honest. Just depends be honest. what kind of night like Yeah, exactly. And that's where he is right now. Jimmy Murphy is with us. Uh, Jimmy, we we will get you to Friday's card. We will get to Friday's <laughs> card in just a few moments. There was a lot to talk about. Last night was yeah. a crazy night with the Capitals trade, with the Penguins stuff rumbling around, with the Chikrin story there. The Bruins, Jimmy, as you know, in a crazy game with the Seattle Kraken last night. We're talking about the Craig Berube eruption in the press conference last night. Whatever you want to talk about, Jimmy, floor is yours. Yeah, look, I mean, I think that, well, first of all, I'm still recovering from that that game last night, that Seattle Bruins game. I mean, that was yeah. that was a wild one. You know, that must have been, I, I wasn't doing much betting because I was covering it. But, man, uh, that must have been a fun live betting game. The way that was going, no just a seesaw, a seesaw affair there. But yeah, a great win for the Bruins there. Gut check win. And um, as far as that trade goes, look, I think Don Sweeney deserves a lot of credit there because he was able to get basically what he wanted. Uh, and that was a gritty forward and a gritty defenseman. Uh, and he didn't give up Fabian Lassell or Mason Lowry, his two top prospects. I mean, yeah, he gave up a lot of picks. Um, but that's the way the market is right now. But the fact that he was able to keep his prospects, I think, was huge. And uh, the Bruins have to be one of the most balanced teams right now as we go down the stretch run. I love that he didn't give up any of the prospects. Because if you see those prospects that you mentioned, Jimmy, developing, getting better right now in junior and the minors and wherever they are currently, 
then you don't want to part ways with them. Whereas, yeah, you parted ways with a lot of picks, but you don't know if you keep those picks, if you're going to make the right picks and the player is going to turn out, you know, at the yep. end of the day. So I like that philosophy. Throw more picks. And he sucks at drafting. The prospects. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, Don Sweeney has a bad track record when it comes to drafting. So really, I mean, no offense to him. Those picks aren't worth anything to the Bruins because he doesn't know how to draft. So uh, it's just, it's a great move for them right now. Absolutely. Definitely it was. Uh, no question uh, about that. Uh, so yeah, Bruins busy on the ice and off the ice uh, last night. Uh, certainly the trade with Washington and of course getting uh, uh uh, and of course, getting the win against the uh, Seattle Kraken last night, six to five, a crazy uh, game that was. All right, now we will finally, finally turn the page here to Friday's card. <laughs> six games will will begin with Minnesota and Toronto. We've got the uh, Leafs minus two twenty uh, home favorites here, six being the total in this game. I think it's a tricky game from a side perspective. I mean, certainly Toronto's got the rest advantage, but Toronto's coming off a pretty easy thumping of the Buffalo Sabres where that game was pretty much over after the first period when they were up 4 nothing. Uh, they were just red hot. The O'Reilly hat trick, uh, which was just an incredible development. Uh, Minnesota's on a back-to-back, tough spot, but you know they're playing better. They've won four in a row. They've, they, they've righted the ship a little bit, and they've done it with their defense. I mean, the shutout Columbus, they've given up just two goals or less in consecutive games now. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, like I said, in net, getting an opportunity. That was a big start for him, important, with Philip Gustafson starting to get more starts lately because of his recent struggles for Fleury. But he answered the bell. A great performance, 30-save shutout uh, against Columbus last night. Uh, tonight, though, it'll be back to Gustafson. He's been great. 4-0-1 in his last five starts, a 946 save percentage during that time. But they are, you know, the team on the back-to-back on the road. You worry if they fatigue a little bit down the stretch. Uh, Toronto's played Minnesota pretty well. They've won four of the last five meetings, including two straight here in Toronto. I think Toronto probably wins the game, but I'm not comfortable laying minus 220 uh, with them. Uh, the total could go either way, too. Toronto's trending over, Minnesota's trending under. So I don't want either total uh, over or under in this game. I could see it going either way, but I do like a bunch of props. We like Ryan Hartman over shots on goal. He's trending up in that direction since he's been on the top line. We like Ryan Hartman to get a point, plus 120. Uh, even even though Terry's a wild homer, I'll co-sign that bet. Uh, Ryan Hartman, uh, plus 120 is a great bet. He's piling up the points right now, recent games, since moving to the top line. Uh, it's a great value there to look in that direction. William Nylander over shots on goal over three and a half is a good bet uh, in this game. He keeps on trending over uh, his shots on goal number. He's tailed off the last couple, but I'm going to give it another go with Eric Sinek over shots over two and a half here because it's only minus 120. Uh, I like that. O'Reilly, you got to lay juice, but I think it's juice worth laying at minus 175 for over one and a half shots. Uh, since he's been a leaf, he's been firing the puck quite a bit. He only needs two. So yeah, you're laying a big price, but he only needs two shots on goal to cash that ticket. And I think it's got a good chance of uh, happening here in this game. But, uh, yeah, those are the main props there for me. A few shots on goal props and anything to do with Ryan Hartman right now. Goal prop, but especially that point prop and the shots on goal prop for Ryan Hartman. Both of those are a good look. Alex, what do you think here? Wild Leafs. This game screams draw. And it screams draw in the in the sense of that <laughs> Toronto can hop out early and then Minnesota finds a way to claw back late. We see that, you know, Toronto meltdown, but I don't think it's going to be a full melt. I do think they end up winning the game. So uh, not taking a shot here with the Wild on the money line. I'm just going to go with the draw at plus 365. 
I definitely think this could be one of those back and forth kind of battles. And the Wild desperately need points to either hang on against anybody. And same thing with Toronto. Like I said, with Toronto, we've seen them in these big favorites at home kind of start off a little bit slow. You know, I think they get off to a good start, but I don't know if they're going to be able to complete a full 60-minute beatdown of this Wild team, especially with Gustafson, how well he's played in net. And Gustafson, you know, did have some time in Ottawa, is familiar with Toronto. We know how the Sens always played. The Leafs kind of tough, so I think that'll be – uh, you know, something that can kind of keep the wild in this contest. So this will be a good live game looking for a lot of back and forth scoring, but uh, essentially I think this goes past 60 minutes. So I'm going to draw. And of course, Alex is the draw King here on the ice guys show, but I want to mention something. It is draw season. We got to get the hashtag trending on Twitter Absolutely. draw season last night, 10 NHL games four cash the draw. Okay. Four games went to overtime or a shootout. And that's not to mention Boston, Seattle coming this close to going to overtime. Anaheim, Washington coming this close to going to overtime. So there actually could have been five or six games that went beyond regulation last night. So if you had sprinkled a little something on the draw in all 10 games last night, even with just four cashing, that's a hefty profit uh, on the night. No question about it. You are profitable. So we are seeing it. Games are becoming more important. Points are becoming more valuable, even more of a premium. Uh, on getting at least one point in the bank. And, and as a result, we're seeing more games at post-All-Star break going beyond regulation here. Um, uh, Jimmy, we'll go to you next. What do you think here, Minnesota-Toronto? Jimmy's definitely traveling right now, as we can tell. We know he's in his uh, car, so we, I think we've lost his connection for a bit. We'll see if we can get him back. Nate, what do you think here? Wild, Wild are your team. What do you think here, Wild Leafs? Yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, I think it's too steep for me to, you know, consider taking Toronto. Uh, I, I think, as you said, they've had some letdown spots here. I think I saw it when I woke up this morning at under six and a half. I think it's now six. I think you can still get six and a half at a reasonable price. It's a little bit juicy. I, I just looked. The Wild have gone under in 12 or 13. I know the Leafs have the potential to be an offensive juggernaut, but the Wild, Gustafson, we mentioned he's been good. Um, in addition, the, um, the while they're on a back-to-back, you kind of focus on defensive principles and in games like that, keeping it very simple. Um, and, and then the wild are also so low in terms of creating five on five chances relative to the rest of the NHL. They're one of the worst teams. Um, they just don't have a lot of scoring depth. So for me, I may be looking under six and a half. If, if I'm looking to lean, I, I don't love it. I also like Alex's play on the draw. Minnesota has been in overtime and shootouts pretty frequently lately. Um, again, you know, they're, they're clawing for every point. So I think, you know, plus 300 or, or what was it? 340 maybe on the draws is, is a good look, but I don't have a hard play on this game. If anything, I'd lead, uh, buying up to maybe under six and a half or, you know, the under six. All right. Buffalo, Florida, Florida minus 200 own favorite seven, the total in this game. I ended up sprinkling on Buffalo last night and I mentioned on the show, I, 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 I was tempted to take a shot with them uh, against Tampa Bay, small shot. Uh, I didn't love it because I just didn't love the way their current form had been in Tampa Bay. Obviously we know how good they can be at home, but at the same point in time, uh, it's a situation. Jimmy, can you hear us? Jimmy says he's here. Yeah. Can you hear me? All right. We got you can back. You yeah. It's just, uh, we asked you about the last game and, uh, we didn't get any, uh, uh, audio from you, but you're back. Okay, Minnesota, Toronto, Jimmy, go ahead. Let I'll make it. it quick. I like the uh, I like the under, and I like the Leafs in the first period. All right, good on stuff indeed. Uh, we'll go to Jimmy first with uh, Buffalo, Florida here this game. Um, I'm going to sprinkle on Buffalo, but I I this is a really dubious spot for them. I do want to point that out. Like they emptied the gas tank to beat Tampa last night. They had the lead. Tage Thompson with the hat trick. They hung on, hung on, hung on. Tampa tied it eventually, and then they won it in overtime. This is a very, very difficult Buffalo spot, but they have just been ridiculous here 
uh, in terms of this road underdog role and spot and price against better hockey teams. Mm-hmm. You know, their, their, their resume against teams on the road that, you know, who they've beaten on the road. I'll go through the list again. Colorado, Vegas, Washington, Pittsburgh, Boston. You know, these are really good teams they beat on the road. Uh, obviously, Tampa Bay last night. You know, it just on the road trip that they had, they went to Dallas, they won. They went to St. Louis, they won. They went to Nashville, they won. I mean, you know, they have just been absolutely outstanding, the Buffalo Sabres. You know, this is just all season. This has been their role. You know, road underdogs against average or better hockey teams, they've just been money in the bank. They've been <laughs> they've been phenomenal. So for that reason, even though there's a whole, really, really worrisome spot, back-to-back back on the road after just a thrilling win last night, you worry where they – celebrating and do they fall flat today but i'm going to take a small bite on buffalo plus 170 i'm going to bet over six and a half live like i say i'm staying away from sevens i'm waiting for six and a half uh, in game uh, when it shows up uh, and props in this game there are a bunch right? because i think we'll see some goals both ways we're going to see uh, obviously sergey bobrovsky in net uh, for uh, florida you would think with uh, comrie and net last night we'll see either upl or craig anderson here tonight for buffalo but it hasn't been confirmed uh, as far as the uh, props, though, in this game, uh, I'm on uh, Sam Reinhart for Florida over shots to score a goal and get a point. Anything Sam Reinhart for Florida is worth a look. He's facing his former team, uh, the Buffalo Sabres. He's been shooting the puck a ton uh, of late. Uh, it's it's a really good prop look, in my opinion, here tonight for this game. Anything Sam Reinhart. Now, the point prop's too expensive. You've got to put that in an SGP. The goal prop plus 175 is not a great price, but I think he probably finds the back of the net here against the Sabres tonight. And definitely the shots on goal, which is over 2.5, minus 145, minus 150. Uh, Definitely Sam Reinhart, one of my favorite player prop looks here tonight for this game. Uh, On the uh, Buffalo side of things, uh, we've got uh, obviously Thompson had the huge night. He's gotten a point in four straight. It games for the Sabres. So if you want to bet that, again, you got to put it in a uh, SGP because you're going to have to pay a price for it, betting it on its own because uh, Tage Thompson to get a point by itself is minus 200. So that actually could be a good prop tonight. Do a Tage Thompson uh, point prop parlayed with Sam Reinhart point prop and you'll turn it into an even money or plus price. I think that's pretty good uh, for this hockey game tonight with uh, Sabres and uh, Panthers. But yeah, Reinhart here for uh, Florida. Uh, by the way, for Florida, another reason why to be concerned about them laying this price, uh, even though Buffalo's on the back-to-back, there's no Sam Bennett, there's no our Alex Barkov tonight for the Florida Panthers. So two major injuries here for Florida. No Barkov, no Bennett uh, for them tonight in this game. That means the center ice position's a little thin tonight. Lundell, E2, Cool, Mint, Lusterinen, Eric Stahl, and Colin White become the uh, four centers tonight for the uh, Florida Panthers. Uh, I think it's probably one of those nights, too. One thing about Buffalo, they still give up a ton of shots. So if you want to look not only at Reinhardt over shots, but the usual suspects for Hagee and Kachuk and others, you could go with their overshots on goal tonight as well. Probably worth a look. Uh, Montour point, worth a look. Ekblad, we've talked about his shots on goal prop. That's probably a good bet, too. Buffalo, Dylan Cousins, point and goal. I'm always interested in that. He's undervalued. Tuck overshots on goal. We've talked about that quite a bit. Darlene overshots on goal. Uh, maybe them to get a point in some form. Tuck to get a goal because he's been heating up lately. Really good prop game. Uh, I'd be looking at all the uh, props uh, that I just uh, mentioned there. Uh, Jimmy, what do you think here? Sabres, Panthers. You got me? We got you. All right, good. Uh, look, I, they coming off a dramatic win there, the Sabres, that is, last night. And 
probably got in a little late. I know it's only a short yep. uh, hop over to Southern Florida, but I, I just, I, I got to go with the Florida Panthers in the first period here on the puck line uh, to come out and yep. take advantage of a tired Sabres group. That being said, I could see the Sabres climbing back into this and I'm actually going to pull an Alex draw here. And I think they do do that and they tie it up and they send it to overtime. So I'm going to go with a first period on the Panthers puck line, and then I'm going to take a draw as well. All right, there you go. First period, puck line, Florida, and the draw for Buffalo to battle back here in this one. Uh, you're right, the travel is minimal from Tampa to Florida. You know, it is a short trip, so that's the thing that does help the Sabres here in this back-to-back -back spot. And like I said, Florida's depleted up uh, down the middle at the center position. No Barkov, no Bennett. So, yeah, there's definitely some uh, shuffling for Maurice now in terms of the uh, center spot tonight going into this game. Alex, what do you think here? Buffalo, Florida. Yeah, as long as the Sabres didn't go hang out in that strip club that Florida's hanging out after uh, between game three and four last postseason, they, they should be fine. Shouldn't be, shouldn't be any issues for, for the Sabres. But uh, I, I do. I also think Florida comes out uh, hot early. I like the first period over in game. I don't want to lay a dollar five with two. I think we'll have enough time to where this can come down. We can grab a dollar thirty-five, dollar forty with that one and a half, and then go over. But uh, I expect a little bit of fatigue from from Buffalo as well. But they could. Like I said, they have that kind of momentum. And also, Florida is not the team you can trust to play a full 60-minute game uh, to, to you know, keep a, a heavy lead against a, a good Buffalo team and a good offense. So I also lean with the draw here as well. So going to go with that first period overweight in game to grab that, but I'll have a little bit of the draw too. And uh, I've seen as high as plus 390, so shop around and grab that. Yeah, definitely. I think those are good looks, no doubt. Uh, what do you think here in this one, uh, Nate? Yeah, I, I look to the over. I think I, I like your – play of grabbing it maybe you get a first couple minutes scoreless and grab yep. over 6.5 and maybe even take seven um i just do like it i think when you look at barkov and bennett out too those are two defensively responsible players you know, particularly barkov right and so i think that from a penalty kill perspective obviously they bring offense to florida but i think they bring you know a lot of defense from the, from the front and florida obviously struggles to defend so for me i like over six and a half i'd play it to seven i think you you, you potentially get a push there florida's gone over in, in such a high percentage of their games lately, their offense is a juggernaut. I think Buffalo sneaks a few, so I, I like the over. Grab it live probably at six and a half uh, in-game if you can, and then I'd even take it seven too. Yeah, it definitely feels like we're going to see a uh, uh, fair share of uh, goals here tonight. You're right. A great, excellent point. Terrific, Nate, about the uh, Bennett and Barkov defensive capabilities. They are two terrific defensive forwards. There's no question about that, and they will be missed at that end of the ice. We talk about, yeah, you lose some offense. You lose a great defensive conscience as well when both of them aren't playing. All right, Ottawa, Carolina. We've got uh, the Hurricanes, minus 250 home favorites, six and a half the total in this one. Carolina continues to just roll along nicely, play uh, very good hockey. Uh, after the outdoor game against Washington, thought maybe a flat spot against St. Louis, uh, but four to one, a workmanlike solid win. Uh, at home against the Blues after that. They play Ottawa and Anaheim this weekend, two home games back-to-back -to -back tonight and tomorrow night. So it's not exactly like they have a look-ahead, but this does kind of feel like if Carolina's going to have a flat spot, it could be tonight, or maybe it's not tonight and it's tomorrow night when they play Anaheim. We'll see, but uh, I'd be leery in this spot with the minus 250, especially when Ottawa's playing okay right now. But you look at the Senators here, the last 10 games, they're 7-3. and three. They're actually not playing that bad. They had that four-game win streak. They beat the Islanders, Leafs, back-to-back -back wins over the Habs. Uh, then they had a loss to Edmonton, but they bounced back. They beat Calgary in overtime, the Islanders in a shootout. Uh, then they lost to Chicago in overtime. They 
dummied the Blues 7-2, the struggling St. Louis Blues, as we talked about. And then on uh, Monday afternoon, the early holiday Monday afternoon game against Boston, they hung in there. I mean, the shots were even. They only lost 3-1. to one. Uh, Mandelazy was very good in net for the uh, Ottawa Senators once again. Kevin Mandelazy, who's gotten a few uh, good performances in net for Ottawa since he's been in there. But Mad Sogard and Mandelazy, for as well as they've played, uh, they will defer to the returning Cam Talbot, who will be back in net tonight for the uh, Ottawa Senators. He has not played uh, in a long period of time. We'll see how he fares. He was not playing well before uh, his recent injury, his lower body injury, and he hasn't played now since January the 25th. So pretty much a solid month hiatus away from the rink. So will he be rusty? Will he be out of? Uh, will he be playing well? I'm not so sure. He wasn't playing well before his injury. Now we, we got to trust him to get his form back and in his first game back after a long absence. I mean, that's a little scary to me uh, when I look at it. I actually lean to the over a little bit here, six and a half uh, in this game. I'll probably have a small play on it uh, just because I think Ottawa, when you look at their team lately, they've been able to find the back of the net. They've been trending over. Carolina, actually, the last two have gone under, but Washington can't score. St. Louis has fallen flat since all the trades. I think Ottawa could score, and that'll force Carolina to open up a little bit which they obviously won't do if they have a lead. But I think Ottawa could give them a go tonight. I don't know if I have the guts to take Ottawa plus 210, but I think they're going to give Carolina a competitive game tonight. I lean over. I lean maybe in some form with Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa or draw, if you want to be safer. We've talked about that as a bet sometimes with these big dogs. If you if you don't think they can pull it out or maybe you're worried they lose in overtime, you could go with a Senators or draw option which is something to consider and that tonight is uh around uh yeah auto ottawa or draw is a plus price it's plus 110 for uh, ottawa or draw i don't mind that i might sprinkle on that because that way if they lose an overtime or a shootout you still cash your bet uh and then in props tonight tara vine and props over shots uh svechnikov over shots and svechnikov i think to get a goal and a point i love betting on a player when he's going through a bad drought and he breaks through gets off the schneid like he did against st louis and now he's back on the beam his confidence is back ottawa team total over yep john massey that could get there over two and a half that actually might be a really good way to attack it if you like ottawa uh, over two and a half in this game their team total but yeah i mean in terms of the props yeah svechnikov tara vinen both overshot svechnikov goal prop put svechnikov in some kind of point prop as well marty natchez is only minus 140 to get a point sign me up for that uh, he's just a, a point producing machine uh, this year for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, and then on the uh, Ottawa side of the equation here, uh, Timmy Stutzla over two and a half shots. He keeps going over the shots on goals. Keep betting it. Keeps going over. Thomas Shabbat for the Ottawa Senators. He's gone over his shot prop seven of the last 10. Uh, Claude Giroux has scored a goal in seven of the last 10. Heating up. So Claude Giroux props. Point. If someone's going to produce for Ottawa tonight offensively, it's going to be those two guys, Giroux and Stutzla, who have been absolutely outstanding lately. So their props are a good look, too. Uh, I could go on, but we'll be here all night. Alex, what do you think here? Senators, Hurricanes. Yeah, I think this could be an interesting back-and-forth battle. I don't know if I feel comfortable enough with taking Ottawa money line, but I think uh, you know the right look might be looking at over two-and-a-half with the Sens. Uh, only laying a dollar five or a dollar ten there. I think they could at least get three goals. And uh, I said, even though Carolina, you know, the style they like to play is they dictate the pace and tempo and they want to shut you down defensively. But like I said, it hasn't been always been the case with that. I think Ottawa has enough offense to where they can find three goals here. Like you mentioned, uh, Giroux heating up. We know Debrinket always liable to, to, to get going and, and get a goal and assist out every night. So 
I'm going to go Ottawa team total over two and a half minus a dollar five. Yeah, I, see, I thought uh, uh, Terry with the Brent Burns uh, to get a point. See, I thought it was higher priced than it is. I thought it would be around minus 170, minus 180. I'm looking at it now. It's actually minus 140 at DraftKings. It's it's in my range. It's playable at minus 140. So, absolutely, yeah. Brent Burns with a point in four straight games uh, for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes from the blue line. Yeah, four straight games with at least one point and a point for Brent Burns in eight of the last ten games as well going into tonight. And only minus 140. Good, good bet there. I thought it was higher than that, which is why I didn't mention it. But now I see it's only minus 140. I, I will bet it at that price. Uh, what do you think here? Uh, Nate, we'll go to you here. Ottawa, Carolina. Yeah, I, I don't love the, the the price on Carolina, but I, I just think the way these teams play stylistically, I don't think they've played yet this season. I was just looking at it. But I think it's a bad matchup for Ottawa, right? The way Carolina plays and the spirit they have under, you know, Rod Brindamore, uh, you know, both defensively. I mean, they're almost robotic in some ways. They're nine and one. They haven't given up. I think it's what uh, they haven't given up more than two goals in six of their last eight games. I potentially look at Carolina puck line here, but it's plus one hundred. So maybe I, I, I kind of just sprinkle from that. I don't love it, but I know Ottawa's playing well. But you know, you talk about Timmy Stutzla, you talk about Claude Giroux. Like, it's not a style to me that works really well in playoff type games. We know Giroux has, you know. Uh, uh, has struggled in the past. And I think Carolina is a team who's on the rise. We talk so much about Boston. I mean, they they only have, uh, you know, had like 10 losses or something in regulation, I think, too. So for me, I don't, I'm obviously not going to take Carolina on the money line, even regulations minus 170, but I maybe look to the puck line. I just think they're, um, they're, they're, they're really on a tear right now. And as we're heating up towards the playoffs, I expect them to continue. And, and again, bad matchup for Ottawa in my mind in, term, in terms of how these teams play stylistically. All right, there we go. Tough matchup, says Nate, for Ottawa here. Oh, I want to mention our guy, Seth Jarvis. This guy was actually in a funk. I, I've not, you know how much I like Seth Jarvis? I haven't mentioned him in a Carolina game on this show in months because of how much he was struggling, but he's starting to find ways to break out of it here. Uh, three of, two of the last three games, he has scored a goal. He had the hat trick against Montreal. Uh, he's got four goals and six points in the last three games for Carolina. I think, you know, you could look into his prop direction tonight. He's only minus 110 to get a point. I think Seth Jarvis, too, put him on the list to get a goal plus 275, like it. And how about his over shots on goal? Because I'm looking at it right now. He's gone over two and a half shots on goal in six straight games. He's had three, 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 four in the last six games shots on goal. And do you know what Seth Jarvis's shots on goal juice is tonight with the over two and a half? I'm seeing plus 135 at DraftKings. Plus 135, Seth Jarvis, over two and a half shots on goal. He's gone over two and a half shots in six straight hockey games going into the night, and you can get a plus 135 on that uh, on DraftKings. Put that on the card. Uh, what do you think here in this one, Jimmy? Ottawa, Carolina. Yeah, look, guys, I look at, uh, you know, I saw Ottawa earlier in the week uh, here in Boston, and you think Ottawa, you always think offense, and you guys are just listing all the offensive firepower they have. But they're playing, if you watch them lately, they're playing much more responsibly defensively, I feel like. And they've, they've started to pay attention to details and uh, just more structure out there. And then you look on the opposite side. And oh, Jimmy, uh, cut out. Jimmy, you there? No, we lost Jimmy for a second. We'll get Jimmy back. We'll get his I would final. actually say, oh. you got me there? We got you back, yep. Okay. 
I would actually say, guys, I mean, Bruins fans won't like me saying this, but in terms of a, a team buying into a coach's system and mentality, I don't think there's one better than the Carolina Hurricanes out there. So I'm feeling under in this game, guys. I'm liking the under six and a half. I think this is going to be a much more tightly contested, not a lot of room out there type game. Going to be hard to go through the neutral zone. And I also like the Hurricanes uh, in the first period puck line as well. All right, there we go. Hurricanes minus a half uh, at a, in the uh, first period on the puck line and also the under uh, six and a half for Jimmy in this one. All right, and we'll I'll be back. i on the... Seth Jarvis with you too. Yeah, that's on the Seth Jarvis with you, man. That's that's a gift. Yeah, I can't believe it. I can't believe it's plus one thirty-five at DraftKings yeah. for him to go over two and a half shots on goal when he's gone over that in six straight games. So I mean, <laughs> how do you not take advantage of that? Uh, certainly, he's been shooting the puck a lot more, and and he's going to continue to do that now that he's seen the puck go in for him, which it wasn't happening for him for weeks, and now all of a sudden he's got what four goals uh, in the last three games and six points. So he's going to have even more incentive to want to shoot the puck probably tonight and moving forward. All right, that's the first half of the card. We're back to uh, talk about the remaining three games on this uh, Friday uh, NHL card in just a second right after we hear from Gramco. All right, whether you or your team's game is on the field, screen, racetrack, or, or the ice, Gramco is for the game. Grown by farmers who spent years developing premium hemp genetics, Gramco provides customers with consistent quality Delta 8 products ready for any occasion. Gramco currently offers numerous Delta 8 products such as vape cartridges, disposable vapes, pre-rolls, gummies, wake-and-bake coffee, and more. Gramco offers an enjoyable legal high delivered discreetly and directly to you and is also available at many American retailers as well. Get the best Delta 8 cannabis products on the market shipped quickly and discreetly from Gramco. You visit www.thegramco.com, use promo code ICEGUYS, you get 25% off of any order, and all orders on the site that are $50 and higher are shipped free with standard shipping. So live elevated with Gramco and check out their wonderful Delta 8 products today. All right, we're back here on the ice, guys. Montreal Canadiens, Philadelphia Flyers. We've got um, Philly minus 165 home favorites, six the total in this one. Uh I'm on Montreal. I'm on the road underdog here. I, for me, this is a slam dunk to take, not a slam dunk that they're going to win, but slam dunk to bet Montreal here because of the spot for Philly off the long road trip. They look like they ran out of gas against the Oilers in the third period the other night. And now you're coming back home from that trip to take on this uh, Montreal team, which uh, played a, a really solid game beating New Jersey on the road. Not easy to do. Uh, they got a good performance from Montembeau, who we will not see tonight, though. It is Jake Allen uh, who will be in net for the uh, Canadians. But he's played better lately in net for them. Uh, it's going to be Carter Hart uh, getting the uh, start for the uh, Flyers. Flyers, though, bad news for them. I mean, they're already, you know, dealing with some injuries. But Travis Konechny a big one. He's been the heartbeat of this team all year. He's been one of their best forwards. Uh, no question about that. And he has had some difficulties and staying healthy this year. And they've missed him when he hasn't played. And he's going to be out now, at least for tonight and moving forward for the Flyers. So I think when you all things considered here, you know, Montreal can be live in this game. I like them here at the plus 145 price. Probably is a close game. This might be a draw candidate too. But uh, I like Montreal here to find a way to uh, get the win. This And Philly, by the way, is just one and six in their last seven home games. So they've not played well on home ice lately. And Montreal's beaten them four of the last five here in Philly. Montreal's actually had a very good uh, recent run the last few years here in Philadelphia against the Flyers. So you factor all that in. Philly, 
not playing well enough to be a minus 165 favorite and coming back home off the long road trip. I like the Canadians here, plus 145. I'll mention some props in just a second for this game as well. But first, we'll go to Alex. What do you think here, Habs Flyers? Yeah, you know, at first I was just going to look at Habs first period plus 110. But now the more you talk about it, this may actually be a good spot to to go full game. So I'm going to do the old Ian Cameron split. I'm going to go half a full game plus 145 and half first period plus 110. It's, it's even more of a bad spot than it is a great spot for Montreal. Uh, so it's a little dicey, but, you know, like I said, I, I trust in the Flyers playing just as bad as they did that uh, that end of the that game against uh, Edmonton more than I do the, the Canadians kind of falling off a little bit. So I think the Habs at least get something done early, maybe throughout the entire game, but uh, going to split that up and, and just make sure that I get – Something a little bit, uh, you know, in, in pocket with that first period. I think that might have the, I think they had the better chance to cash, to be honest. We could see the Habs fall off a little bit, like I said, possibly a draw candidate as well. But if we at least cash the first half, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm going to also, and I, I, I don't love this, but I'm going to sprinkle a little, especially with the total now at six on the over, just because we've had three overs head to head with these two teams uh, in the last three meetings. And it kind of feels like a spot where Philly defensively might be a little lax not lax because they're just physically and mentally worn down coming off the trip i could see that and you sometimes you make some defensive miscues in games like this so over six i'm going to get in on that for just a little bit uh, what do you think here nate canadians flyers yeah i'm with you guys i looked at it um i like montreal i don't see a, a big difference between these teams you mentioned philadelphia struggles at home i don't i don't know exactly why they're favored both teams struggle a lot with scoring and generating offense right there's there's not really any top tier guys with some of the injuries and, and just the, the roster construction in general i think with connect me out um i feel more comfortable taking montreal i i, I looked and I, I thought i had six and a half i was going to say i love under six and a half if, it, if you can find it Six, probably a, a little riskier for me. I probably wouldn't play that. But if you can get a goal early, maybe by Montreal, I look to live under six and a half in this game. But um, I'm on I'm on Montreal money line uh, here for sure. All right. Uh, Jimmy, by the way, just uh, messaged me saying uh, connections uh, have an issue. So he wants me to uh, let everybody know, though, that he's passing along his uh, best bets here. Uh, Habs and under. There you go for his uh, best bets from this game. So he likes the Habs. He likes the uh, under. Uh, here in this one. I like a few props as well. Uh, most of them on the Montreal side right now. Uh, but uh, let's go Raphael Harvey-Pinard. This guy is now finally on the top line, and he deserves to be. Uh, he's been that good. Uh, look at what he's done here uh, with the Canadians. Since January 26th, the guy has played uh, nine games for the uh, Canadians, and he has two, four, five, six goals, and he has uh, nine points. Uh, he's basically a point-per-game player since uh, becoming a pr prominent player. Uh, uh, impact player on this team, uh, essentially. So uh, any props involving him, Raphael Harvey-Pinard for the uh, Canadians, playing with Suzuki, Nick Suzuki, and Josh Anderson on the uh, top line for them tonight. So uh, he's been good, and he's plus 310 or so to score a goal. So put a little something on that. I wouldn't talk you out of that at all. Uh, as far as the uh, shots prop, uh, Josh Anderson, for sure. You got to look in his direction with shots on goal. It's over two and a half at a plus price, plus 110. Josh Anderson uh, over shots on goal for the Montreal Canadiens. He is a guy that they've got to count on for offense now with Caulfield, Slavkovsky, Brendan Gallagher, uh, and others uh, that are that have been out for them for a long period of time. And uh, Anderson, the last uh, seven games, uh, he has uh, five points for the uh, Canadians, including a couple of goals. But more importantly, the last five games, five straight games for Josh Anderson, over two and a half shots on goal. 
he's gone over that number. So, uh, yeah, Josh Anderson over shots on goal, absolutely. And I think even the point and the goal prop are both worth a look, too, for uh, Anderson in this game tonight. Goal prop is plus 250. Point prop is plus 130. Uh, someone, uh, our guy Cubano in our chat, mentioning Tyler Pitlick. He did score against New Jersey uh, the other night. Uh, not Tyler Pitlick, Rem Pitlick, I should say, for uh, Montreal. And he does have two points in the last three games. So if you want to take a bargain bin shot in the prop market, you may be uh, looking in that direction. I, I wouldn't say that's a, a terrible uh, consideration at all. All right. L.A. Kings, New York Islanders. We've got the Islanders minus 135 home favorites, five and a half the total in this game. Uh, real tough loss for the Kings. I mean, they had a 2 nothing lead in the first period. Great start to the game. Devils battle back. And then the Kings take the lead 3-2 in the third. And then the Devils tie it in the final minute with the extra attacker. And then the Devils win in overtime. Dougie, Dougie Hamilton with the game winner. Tough, tough loss for L.A. And now you play a back-to-back on the road here against the rested uh, New York Islanders, who have now won three of their last four, uh, beating Pittsburgh twice, beating the Jets 2-1 to in a goaltending duel that was won by Ilya Sorokin over Connor Hellebuck. It will be Sorokin, by the way, in net for the uh, New York Islanders uh, in this game once again tonight. We don't have a goalie confirmation for L.A. yet, but we've got to assume it's Jonathan Quick, probably because it was Phoenix Copley last night against uh, New Jersey. But if they've fallen so much in terms of you know the confidence in Jonathan Quick, who's had a really tough season, 3.49 goals against, 878 save percentage. We saw Calgary, shockingly, last night, you guys, play Dan Vladar on the second of back-to-back games. Do they go that route with Copley? So that's the only thing I'm holding up. You know, that's the holdup for me with what I'm looking at here because I do like this over at five and a half. I think it can. I think it can go over the total at over five and a half minus one twenty. But that's only a bet that I'd feel better about if Quick's in net. If it's Copley Sorokin, you know, we could end up seeing something like we saw Islanders Jets, and it ends up being you know three one or three two something like that. So, but if it's Quick, I'm jumping on over five and a half. We do have to admit the Islanders do have a little bit more offense to their game now since getting. Uh, Bo Horvat and the Kings, to be honest, I think uh, you're going to see them uh, offensively look to be on the aggressive here after losing last night. So I like over five and a half, but I still I'll like it even more, obviously, if quick uh, is in net for this game. I'll get to the props in a bit. Alex, uh, L.A., New York Islanders. Yeah, so I just went automatically grabs five and a half over 120 this morning, and I'm glad I did because it quickly moved about 30 minutes later to six at even money. So uh, I would recommend an in-game wager on the the over five and a half and i think even you know if it's quick uh, i feel great about it but with copley i still would feel good running him on the on the back to back and let's keep in mind as great as he's played this is a guy who had been kind of mostly been in the ahl and he'd been kind of sharing the workload the last couple of years he hasn't been the odds on number one guy in quite some time so for him to do that now in this tough of a stretch of, of the year and with the way the kings have, have played and you know we've seen their defense kind of fall they have played a lot of close games at times I think this either way could get over five and a half. Six is a little bit dicier, but I think I think we can find. I can see this easily being a four-two Islanders game. They get an empty net goal late, or uh, even a four-three Kings game. I think if the Kings win, it's going to be even higher scoring. But I think the Islanders could do enough to get four goals. Kings get two, and there's our over. 
And it's actually been, believe it or not, you know, over series history. Yeah. To the tune of uh, five and two in the last seven head to head meetings have gone over with the Kings and the Islanders. You wouldn't necessarily expect that, but that has indeed been the case. And yeah, the Islanders have certainly been up and down when it comes to totals, but LA eight and two to the over in their last 10 games coming into uh, tonight. And it's only five and a half. So, and again, it becomes a, I think it becomes a, a much higher probability this cash is if we get a Jonathan Quick confirmation tonight in net for the uh, Kings. What do you think here in this one, Nate? Kings Islanders. Yeah, I think um, I think I look to draw on this one. I think these are you know both defensively minded teams. They're both very competitive, going to keep it close. I really like the Islanders roster. I love the move they made. Um, you know, I know we thought they were dead in the water, but I love the move they made with Horvat. I think they're a team that can be built for the playoffs. Obviously, I think Barzell's out right for a couple weeks. It sounds like so they're, they're missing him. Um, I wanna, yeah, I'm going to take a draw on this one, uh, if we can. Um, and then I, I like the over, I, I probably wouldn't bet it, but I like where you guys are leaning. I think there's a lot of guys that don't need a lot of volume or space on these teams to score. Right. And I, I don't necessarily have the data in front of me, but you look at somebody like Horvat, Brock Nelson, Kempe, Fiala, like you give these guys any space or any shots, like th these things can go in. They don't need a lot of wide open hockey with the way these guys shoot the puck. I mean, Fiala and Kempe specifically, right? If you watch them play, they, they don't need a lot of space in the power play to, to, to take a one-timer or a quick wrist shot home. So probably lean towards the over, particularly as you mentioned, if quick plays, but I'm going to take a, a shot at the draw on this one and, and look for an overtime uh, result. All right. Like in the draw again, this it, look, it's draw season uh, as we know. And it's, you know, I could, there's a bunch of these games tonight. I feel they could be tight. And even Ottawa, I think has the potential to hang in there tonight with Carolina. You know, Buffalo, Florida could be competitive. Uh, you know, even Minnesota, Toronto could be close. I mean, there are a bunch of games tonight uh, on this board that are looking like they are set up to be maybe competitive, close games. So this could be a night where, you know, there's six games. If you put a little something on the draw, even amounts, equal amounts on each draw tonight, you could end up profitable. You were last night. So uh, if you take that approach tonight, you know, it could end up yielding. Uh, similar results for you. All right, final game. Oh, oh, by the way, props. My gosh, I almost skipped the props. There are a lot I like here. Uh, Horvat shooting the puck more. Over shots, not a bad look. Talked about Dobson. He flew over his shots on goal last game uh, against the uh, Jets. I think that's a good look. Over shots with uh, Dobson uh, going into this game for the Islanders. Uh, as far as the uh, L.A. props go, uh, we've got uh, Victor Arvidsson over shots on over two and a half shots in five straight games. For him uh, going into tonight against the uh, New York Islanders. I think that's a really good look. He's been trending certainly over his uh, shots on goal prop uh, in recent games. Kevin Fiala has been trending over as well. And there's a lot of interesting uh, goal assist point props tonight for LA because you've got guys that are in really good form right now at this point in time. If you look at LA's numbers, we've got four straight games with a point for Kopitar, four straight games with a goal for Andre Kopitar. And if you look at the prop prices tonight on Kopitar, he's only minus 140 to get a point, and he's upwards of plus 290 to get a goal. Okay, this is a guy that scored in four straight games and a point in four straight games for the Los Angeles Kings. So uh, I think those are good looks here. Like I mentioned, Fiala's trended over shots. Arvidsson, Dobson, and Horvat on the Islanders' side. Uh, what else here in terms of uh, uh, the uh, prop mark? Oh, Dersey for the uh, Los Angeles Kings, the blue liner who actually was a big part of the offense for them last night against New Jersey. Sean Dersey, to score a goal, is a plus 750 price, and he got in. I think he scored one last night. But more importantly, his point prop is plus 170 at DraftKings, 
And Dursey is really starting to find his 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 game in terms of chipping in offensively from the blue line. He has really really turned it on in that regard here the last few games. Look at what he's done. He got the goal and the assist last night, and he's had now five straight games with a point for the LA Kings, including a two-point game last night against New Jersey. Five straight games with a point. He's plus 170 to get a point tonight for the LA Kings from the blue line. How about that? Five straight games with a point. He's plus 170. How's that for a find? Uh, Sean Dursey. Uh, I think you got to look in that direction for sure uh, tonight in this one. So, like I said, it's a good, a good prop game uh, on the uh, Islanders uh, side, certainly. Keep an eye, too, and I mentioned this guy. He's shooting the puck a lot. They don't have shots on goal props on him tonight, but he has been shooting the puck a lot in the two games since he's been called up to the New York Islanders. He's playing on the third line. Arnaud Durando uh, for the uh, New York Islanders. Arnaud Durando. Uh, Durando actually is probably how you'd say it with the French uh, pronunciation, but Arnaud Durando for the uh, New York Islanders. Uh, he has been shooting the puck a lot. They don't have shot props for him, though. That's unfortunate, but that would have been a good look for sure. All right, final game, Colorado Avalanche, Winnipeg Jets, minus 110, even money both sides, six the total. Really tough one because Winnipeg, I think, plays well at home. They play Colorado very well at home. Do you know they've beaten Colorado 9-1 to the last two times combined score? Uh, over the abs they've played well against colorado in this building but the flip side argument is they're off a road trip that's a tough spot it's usually a bet against spot uh, colorado's playing really well uh, even without uh, kale mccarr who's going to be out again tonight for them it looks like and eric johnson uh, those two blue liners look like they're still going to be out uh, for uh, this uh, game tonight so we'll see if uh, they can uh, keep it going yeah Kempe too I forgot about that and Kempe is always worth a look in the uh, prop market uh, in that last game so if you can find Kempe to score a goal or point prop is only minus 135 so no argument there Uh, but back to uh, this one I think it's tricky from a side perspective the total was five and a half it actually has dropped to five and a half from six I do like the over a little bit at five and a half, but I don't love it, but I like it enough to bet it small. Uh, This is going to be more of a prop game. Morrissey, shots on goal over and point prop. Uh, I like it quite a bit. Shifley over shots on goal for the Jets. He's been trending that way. McKinnon, you want to see something with Nathan McKinnon here. He is actually, his shots on goal is actually four and a half, but he's gone over that now in five straight games for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. So I don't know what it is. The games are getting more important. But he's taken an onus on himself to fire that puck a lot uh, at the net. So over four and a half minus 140 with his shots prop is probably worth a look. Uh, He's trending over with assist props, but you got to put it in a parlay because it's uh, too expensive. Minus 190 to bet it uh, on its own. Uh, Lackanen for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. He is on a uh, four game point streak right now. Arturi Lackanen for the uh, Avalanche and only minus 128 at FanDuel to get a point tonight. So. There's another prop that I'll be uh, betting here tonight in this game. And I think that's about it. I'm not nearly as heavy on the uh, prop board here tonight uh, in this game as I am some of the others. Alex, what do you think here? Avalanche, Jets. Yeah, this is the other draw that I'm really liking. I think this is going to be a close battle. This is, like I said, the perfect candidate. Two teams, same division, both fighting for points. Uh, like I said, Winnipeg has gotten the better of, of Colorado. And I think these are just you know two teams that are really going to be kind of clawing back and forth. So this is a great Live game battle uh, and, a, and a good draw bet right here. I'm not going to look at anything side or total. It's just I want to observe what's going on in game, but I do think this could go 
pass regulation and uh and we can, you know be able to get some next to score props and maybe even look for a, a live over depending on, on what the score is uh settling like so it's a live game for me basically live game for alex here uh like i say uh i'm off the side but i do like the over a little bit now that it's dropped to five and a half because again this is like the philly game where i think the team returning home off the trip they- could be a little out of sorts defensively sometimes you're just you're you're physically and you're mentally spent and that sometimes doesn't lead to the best defensive performance you can put out there uh and i remember winnipeg came home and i think they played buffalo uh, off a road trip and they were returned home they played buffalo and i remember they gave up like five or six it was a bad defensive night for them so i think that might help the over here in this one a little bit and how many times are you going to get colorado at a five and a half not very often what do you think here in this one uh, nate colorado winnipeg yeah, I like the over with you too. I think five and a half slow, particularly, you know, the the um I don't think these teams are as, as good as they've been in the past in the power play. Colorado's eighth in the league, but but obviously explosive. It it's, it takes a dip without McCarr. We know that. But um I think you know the, the types of players on these teams, um and, and again, this this sort of matchup, I know his numbers have been better. I, I never trust Gorgiev. I just I just can't. I, I don't know. I just remembering kind of pass. Uh and so I'm I'm on the over five and a half too, I think, with these two teams. Um, a lot of potential for this to go six, six and a half uh, easily. All right, like in the over as well as Nate here in this one. Yeah, the thing is, too, uh, when you look at the, uh, Av- the Georgiev, he has played well. As the question is, though, he started way more games. And Alex talks about this uh, theory a lot. You know, when you've started way more games than you have in the years past, do you have the stamina to last uh, late in the regular season and into the playoffs and play as well. Like his numbers are actually solid 2.72 goals against 917 save percentage. But can you keep that going late in the season into the playoffs when you've already hit your, you know, hot all time career high number of games started in a single season? You know, that's going to be the challenge now moving forward for uh, Alexander Georgiev. All right, great stuff. Great show. Great to have you, Nate. You did a great job again. Jimmy Murphy, his connection cut out, but it was great to have him as always on a Friday. Alex B. Smith and everybody in the chat, 258 live viewers. Uh, hit the like button. We appreciate it. And check out patreon.com slash guys. just $10 a month. We've got tons of stuff that's there for subscribers exclusively. Uh, we've got goalie charts, totals charts, power ratings, daily vice guys show betting card, our video segments. We just posted the broadcaster rankings yesterday, two hours worth. So enjoy. we enjoyed it. We hope you enjoy watching it uh, as well. We've got bonus content, more coming next week uh, and beyond. So uh, make sure you check it out. Patreon.com slash ice guys, just $10 a month. Also check out the ice guys store. Uh, next four days, we got 15% off everything. And I've also brought down the price of the T-shirts and caps a couple of dollars, too. So you have absolutely no reason not to uh, jump in this weekend. Check out the Ice Guys. That's iceguys.myspreadshop.com. Grab some merch and support the podcast. And as you see right there, the next Ice Guys live betcast next Tuesday night, February 28th, 7 p.m. Eastern, live betting and commentary with me, Alex. We had a we had full capacity last night. We had to we had to send people away because the, the room was full. Uh, there was we couldn't accept more guests joining us. So it was a great turnout last Tuesday. Drinking is encouraged. It's welcomed. So make sure you have your fridges stocked for next Tuesday night, uh, DM at Bobano on Twitter or email Bobano350 at gmail.com uh, to request a spot on the BetCast next Tuesday, February 28th, our next BetCast starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. All right, back to wrap with Best Bets in just a moment right after we hear from Manscaped. 
Support for the Ice Guys is brought to you by Manscaped, our good friends at Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, courtesy of the Ice Guys. Get 20% off of any purchase and free worldwide shipping with the promo code ice guys that's promo code ice guys all one word i-c-e-g-u-y-s at manscape.com if my math is correct that's about 400 million balls that you can help preserve with manscape.com using the promo code ice guys you get the performance package 4.0 it is a game changer the lawnmower 4.0 it takes care of this among other things uh, it'll keep you uh, trim uh, as can be uh, the lawnmower 4.0 waterproof same thing with the weed whacker which takes care of your ear hair nose hair i mean nose hair in particular you know i'm getting up there in age and nose hair is becoming uh, definitely more of an issue this will take care of it it feels like someone's tickling the inside of your nostrils sometimes it pisses the hell out of me it bothers me i need to take care of that shit this will take care of it for you the weed whacker uh, makes uh, part of the package that you get with your Manscaped purchase and the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. You also get the ball toner. You also get the ball deodorant, keep you uh, smelling good and looking good and feeling good down in the nether regions. This package is really going to make you feel good and and look good and look better. Slim, trim, that's what it's all about, and Manscaped.com can help you out with that. So make sure you take advantage of this. Manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ICEGUYS at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. And use the promo code ICEGUYS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, we are back and ready to wrap it up with best bets. Alex, we'll start with you. What do you like for best bet? Yeah, I mean, like I said, draw season is in full swing. And of the, the four that I really like, the one that is going to be the top of my list, it's going to be the Wild and the Maple Leafs, plus 380 is as high as I'm seeing. So shop around for sure. Also make sure to always get the regulation draw. Never the yes, no prop on overtime. going to have a full write-up about this actually coming up uh, next week on Patreon, so stay tuned. Uh, but this is a, a wild team desperately clinging on, needing points, needing to find uh, this momentum and to carry it on the road. They just snapped a five-game losing streak, getting that 2 nothing shutout win last night. Let's see if they can keep that momentum rolling with Gustafson and company. I think it's going to take a little bit longer than 60 minutes for them to possibly do that. It's going to be a good battle. Let's go Toronto, Minnesota, draw, uh, plus 380. That's my best bet for this Friday. There you go. I like it. The draw there, plus 380, Minnesota-Toronto for Alex B. Smith and his best bet for this Friday card. Nate Rapensky was on with us every two weeks on Fridays. Great job as always. What do you think for your best bet tonight? What do you like? Oh, you're muted. I'm muted. Rookie mistake. I uh, actually didn't uh, didn't give this one out in, in sort of the main section on the game, but, but was looking at it more. Obviously, I like Montreal as a side. We mentioned that. Um, but but more uh, the under six and a half. You can get an alternate line on this game, one twenty five to one thirty. I think I, I found it, and so there's a little more juice, particularly when compared to to Alex's draws, right? But 
the offensive output of these teams, they're both, uh, I think, 27th and 28th in power play percentage in the league. You have Konechny out. Um, you have teams that just really struggle to score. Not a lot of offense throughout the lineup. I think it's going to be kind of tightly contested. So you give me under six and a half. I think you look for a 3-2, 4-2 kind of final at best in this game. Um, under six and a half, Montreal, Philly. Um, and I think uh, you can get it at, at about 130, minus 130. All right, there we go. So shop around. There are books that offer alternative totals. I know it's six. There are some books that still have six and a half, but most are down to six now with that game. But under six and a half, minus 130 uh, for Montreal, Philadelphia, for uh, Nate Rapensky uh, and his uh, best bet. My best bet, I'm going to go with a player prop. Uh, best bet tonight. I couldn't believe the price. At this price, I think it's best bet worthy. Seth Jarvis, Carolina Hurricanes, over two and a half shots on goal, plus 135. What, for a guy that's gone over the shots on goal prop six straight games uh, at that price, over two and a half, plus 135, that is a hell of a bargain. Sign me up for it. Seth Jarvis, Carolina, over two and a half shots on goal, plus 135. Uh, that'll be my best bet here for this Friday card. That'll wrap it up for this edition. Uh, of the uh, ice guys thanks to everyone in the chat for joining us uh hit the like button on the way out we appreciate it very much uh it'll be kevin beach former pro hockey goalie and player prop guru uh, joining us tomorrow uh, on the saturday edition of the show so we look forward to that a reminder the ice guys is live uh seven days a week monday to friday 2 p.m eastern saturday and sunday noon eastern if you can't watch the show live download the podcast in audio form Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. Download it at all those platforms. For Alex B. Smith, Nate Rapensky, Jimmy Murphy, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Friday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. We'll see you tomorrow on Saturday uh, for the next edition of the Ice Guys presented by National Hockey Now. (laughs) 